Hello, and welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, those who keep heritage alive at the community level. I'm Dale Jarvis, and today's guest is Zainab Jarrett. Zainab Jarrett is the executive director of the Tombolo Multicultural Festival in Newfoundland and Labrador. She's also the coordinator for International Food and Expo and the owner and operator of the Multi-Ethnic Food Kitchen. She obtained her PhD in folklore at Memorial University in 1998. Zainab, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ben. I'm delighted to have you here. And I love I love that we can talk about food. That's one of my favorite uh, <laughs> my favorite things to talk about. It seems everyone I bring on the show, we end up talking about food. I don't know if that's me or just that food connects people. I think food connects people. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. So maybe to start off, can, can we talk a little bit about how you ended up in Newfoundland? You're from Nigeria uh, originally? Yeah, from the northeastern part okay. of Nigeria, yeah. And uh, so how did you end in Newfoundland, end up in Newfoundland? Well, I came here in August of uh, 1992 mm-hmm. to study folklore at Memorial University. Yeah. Well, they planned to go back as soon as I finished, but uh, like many international students, uh, if I can say that, I ended up staying here. Yeah. yeah. The same thing happened for, to me. I was coming for two years, and that was, and I came in 1994. I came uh, just after you, yeah. Ooh. And and I got hooked up with a Newfoundlander, <laughs> which also happens, as you well know, and then we don't, we never, we never leave again. Yeah. <laughs> um, so your, your work uh, on your PhD was around folk music, is that right? Yes, yes. So what were you, what were you studying? Well, I, my uh, dissertation was on the folk songs of my tribe in northeastern Nigeria, yeah. the Bura tribe. And uh, I basically uh, went back home, spent five months to collect my data. And uh, the focus was not just women, uh, musicians or singers, but I focused mostly on traditional women uh, songs or songs sung by women there. So when I uh, collected my data, I focused on analyzing the themes and the type of songs they sing, the occasions and... Uh, it just fell into ethnomusicology, and I, I'm glad I did it. Yeah. yeah. So did you come from a family that where music was important? No, I, I came from what I would describe as a royal family, <laughs> where uh, most uh, music performances would take place uh, in our front, uh, basically in, our, in my dad's uh, uh, front house, okay, yeah. <laughs> so the, the the community will assemble pretty much like every Wednesday or at least uh, three times a month yeah. to have traditional music and dance. Like hundreds or like almost a thousand people will come and dance. So uh, dad will not, of course, allow us to to sing, but he will allow us to dance with the crowd or sit and watch. So I fell in love with music through that. Uh, experience. <laughs> yeah, and has that changed? You know, the 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 traditional music that was happening in the nineties is it still continue in the same way today? Unfortunately, it has changed a little bit. Uh, people have become more and more westernized, so they mm-hmm. would rather listen to western music <laughs> or dance to western music than maybe learn to perform and 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 dance to traditional bura music. Yeah, but it's still there, but. Uh, mostly elderly people, but uh, it's not as rich as it used to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a story mm-hmm. that's repeated time mm-hmm. and time again mm-hmm. as places become more Western and more urban. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we start to lose some of those traditions. Mm-hmm. So a, a lot of your work 
here now in Newfoundland is about showcasing traditions of other people and sharing culture through music and and through food. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you get? What was your? What was your? What influenced your decision to to uh, to start doing some of that work here in St. John's? Okay, uh, as you know, when I graduated in '98 uh, in the folklore department, I I, I stayed back. Uh, I was fortunate. I was a sessional teacher up to winter of 2005, if I can remember well. But uh, prior to that, I decided to start my own business. So mm-hmm. I was importing actually crafts from many African countries, so yeah. many countries from Africa. I was importing directly from the the crafters, and I was focusing on women in rural parts of Africa, yeah. from Madagascar, Ghana, Kenya, Nigeria, Chad, uh, Niger, Burkina Faso, Mali. So I would bring the crafts here and sell. I actually started before I left Moan. <laughs> yeah. And I just said, maybe I should just concentrate on that. And at the time, the Multicultural Women's Organization of uh, Newfoundland and Labrador used to organize uh, fairs, like food and craft fairs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would go there as a vendor, <laughs> not as uh, an employee at the time, yeah. and sell my crafts and African food. <laughs> yeah. And people were loving the food. <laughs> yes, yeah. So I said, oh, maybe I should just f- take a risk, uh, step out of academics, because that was my background before I came here. I was teaching at the University of my degree for many years. Yeah. So I said, maybe I should leave academics and try being an entrepreneur. <laughs> so I I focused more on my business. I opened a store in Tobe Road Mall, mm-hmm. uh, a craft yeah. store, and people really were loving the crafts, the jewelries, the carvings and the fabrics people were coming and buying and then at the same time I was still selling African food at the uh, Multicultural Women's uh, International Food and Craft Fair it was an annual event and that started to grow (laughs) my food was in demand and I wasn't a good cook before I think it was (laughs) just like an anointing letter I don't believe you at all where I come from our food is very blunt simple like we own like growing up I had cows I had goats uh, my mom had animals my dad had but we weren't we don't eat uh, a lot of meat okay yeah uh, we said they are more like uh, like uh, we sell the the animals like the cows and the goats and the chickens that we have. We sell them yeah. to generate revenue, but not to kill and eat. Uh, actually, we were eating. Now, thinking back uh, or reminiscing about my childhood, we were eating meat once in one uh, a, week, a week on Wednesdays on market days. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's and it's not a lot. Just you buy small, just to season the the soup or the sauce, and you eat it with rice or something like that. So I wasn't a good cook. Even when I came here, I wasn't a good cook. But <laughs> something happened. I lived in Bottenspawn for I think about six years, which is uh, the residence. Here yeah, at, at and you can Royal. imagine how many international students I had uh, lived yeah. with. Like yeah. A lot of Indians, uh, uh, like Indian uh, students were my roommates. Uh, students from Bangladesh, and so I picked up. What they were cooking. I wasn't like sit, standing by the kitchen or the stove and watching, but for some reason I was just observing and sensing what they were doing. So yeah. I learned how to cook Indian food <laughs> miraculously. <laughs> uh, food from Bangladesh. I had roommates from China, 
I learned how to cook Chinese food, but I didn't put those uh, quote-unquote skills into practice. I just kind of pocketed them, I guess, in my mind. But uh, go back to the International Food and Craft uh, Fair that the Multicultural Women's Organization was uh, uh, doing at the time. I ended up becoming their assistant coordinator mm-hmm. uh, with... Uh, with the the international food and craft here, so that made me to be more interested and to learn more about the the dynamics and what is done to organize such an event. And uh, in 2012, uh, I think our board members were becoming like seniors, and it was becoming bigger and bigger. We were going to Cornerbrook, <laughs> Ganda, and then in St. John's twice a year in November and March. So it became kind of big too big for for the board members to handle so they, they decided to uh, abandon this important uh, event or activity so i discussed with my husband i said i think i will take chances and take over yeah. <laughs> so my husband said yeah you've already like, you've been doing this for some time now as their coordinator so if they don't want to continue with it rather than abandon it uh you can take over, hire someone to help you, and the volunteers that you uh, that you've been working with now might be able to assist you. So, and that was what happened. And so that was the birth of the International Food, Food and Craft Expo. Expo. Yes, yeah. yeah and, you, and you still travel around, do you? You go to different yes. parts of the province? Yes, yeah. Actually, now we do it in St. John's twice a year in April and uh, November. Mm-hmm. November one at the Holiday Inn. That's the big one. Yes, People yeah. know it because of the history of the International Food and Craft here. And then we started it in in Kelagros, the CBS, yeah. uh, usually in October. This yeah. year it will be nine, 18th of October, and then in Paradise. And those ones are growing fast, but particularly the one in Kelagros. Uh, Paradise is also growing. People are getting to know about it, and we get the difference I try to make uh, with this particular uh, show is that I try to work with the, the town council. I decided not to just go on my own or just go there as a as a as a show or entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurial venture, but uh, to make it like a community event involving not just the people in that community, but the council, the the municipal uh, government, if I can yeah. say that. So even setting up the date, recruiting volunteers uh, and local vendors are done collaboratively with uh, officials of those uh, Oh, so yeah. yeah, I was at the one at Kellegrews last year, and, oh. and, and uh, <laughs> because I always, I'm always looking for a spot to get some good food, <laughs> and uh, and I, I remember when we were there, one of the local um, dance schools mm-hmm. was performing. So mm-hmm. there's that kind of mix of mm-hmm. of you know uh, you know local Newfoundlanders, and and then they're interacting with the vendors and then mm-hmm. the the food sellers. It's a, it's a really great uh, it's a really great event, and certainly that one at the at the Holiday Inn in St. John's is really quite popular. Yeah, it's popular, and uh, that's where my folklore <laughs> knowledge. <laughs> comes into play because like at first I didn't realize say, oh my god this is folklore because <laughs> intentionally like, I always want not just food from different cultures but music yeah. and, and, and folk costumes because we encourage uh, if you are from Bangladesh or you are from Pakistan or from Nigeria or from Iran where you are traditional outfit and that's material culture yeah. and 
people, you know, they, it, those are conversation. They become conversational pieces. Uh, the food also becomes conversational pieces. People talk about their food and through that tell their story. But the way they dress, someone would just come buy the food, but at the same time comment on the person's outfit, and there they can start talking. Yeah. So I try to make that uh, or the event to be uh, kind of multi-purpose yeah. and folklore. Folkloristic, if I can use that term. <laughs> <laughs> we had um, uh, Hadi Malanu came oh, on, on yeah. the show, I right? I know them, yeah. And, and he, he's, he, he had said to me at one point that, that you are his agent. That you're, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's that you're, funny. That you're the one who, who gets him out playing sitar in different uh, locations <laughs> and whatnot, yeah. Well, I try to encourage him and to, 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 to just assist uh, uh in letting people know about his music, where he comes from. So just a small support, which I didn't realize that I've done anything unusual. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm grateful for that. <laughs> Have you seen the, the multicultural community change since you since you arrived in, in St. John's? Yes, H- yes. How has it changed? Well, in so many ways. One is the fact that uh, there are more and more... Uh, uh, immigrants yeah. here. When I came in '92, uh, actually I was, as far as I know, the maybe two Nigerians. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there was a doctor. He, I think he's still here now at more at uh, the health sciences. But I didn't know him at the time. I met his wife in 1994. That was a year after I arrived at an event, uh, African event. So. I was uh, surprised, pleasantly surprised to see a Nigerian <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, woman there. And then also uh, even other people from other countries, whether in Africa or the Middle East, there weren't many, many immigrants here. Uh, the the, the, the and surprising thing when I came was getting... Uh, food <laughs> uh, or groceries that right. I was familiar with before I came here. I couldn't get any. Antikre, one day, they used to be in Church Square. In yes, the, in the, the basement. basement. Yeah. 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 So I used to go and buy black eye peas there and palm oil. Uh, I was thrilled to see those things there. So I used to buy those. But my hair products, surprisingly, couldn't get any. No. Couldn't get anything like hair relaxer. You know, we tend to relax our hair uh, because it's kinky and so cool. So yeah. I couldn't get any. Uh, you remember Rachel Golson? Rachel. Yes, who's in the folklore department. Yes, yeah. so just a short story. Uh, I ran out of hair relaxer. I My hair become damaged. So she said one time, she said, you know what? My parents are coming to visit from uh, uh, Missouri, uh, from the States. So uh, if you want, they can buy African hair products for you. Yeah. I said, oh, please, that would be wonderful. <laughs> so I thought they were going to bring one, but they brought a whole box <laughs> and they drove. So to cut the long story short, when they got to the Canadian border, you know, they are not my skin color, <laughs> so, but yes, a yes. lot. So they stopped them looking at the stuff they had in their trunk. They saw this box of, and it said dark and lovely, and the picture of them. <laughs> so I think yeah, the custom officers thought they were coming to sell them here. Oh, okay. So they put them aside in a nice way, but kind of wasted that or paid special attention to the, <laughs> this this goods they were bringing. Dark and lovely goods, so yeah. they said the uh, um, Rachel's mom said it's for my daughter, and then the 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 officer became more suspicious. 
you are daughter and you are like that, you know. So eventually she realized, oh, for my daughter, but it's for her African friend. So yeah. then they let her in, <laughs> them in with the this, <laughs> this box, box of hair relaxers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This uh, sorry for that long story, but that's to show that it was difficult then. But things yeah. have changed things now. Things have changed now. Yeah, and you, and you can buy products. Oh like my that God! Here. Yes, you can buy uh, uh, groceries for so many. Not just African groceries, but groceries for people who are from the Middle East, from Asia. There are grocery stores, even Sobis now, Dominion. They have. Uh, ingredients or groceries that usually you wouldn't find that are for for immigrants and locals as well. So, to cut the long story short now, or the the long story a little bit short, it's a it's a lot different now and a lot better. I, people don't I don't think people have excuse now when they say, oh, we are moving to Ontario because we can't get food from our country. Yeah. You know that was some of the reasons or excuses that immigrants were using yeah. to leave uh, Newfoundland or to leave St. John's to, let's say, Alberta or to, uh, let me say, to, to Ontario. They'll say, we don't have uh, our food uh, or groceries here. We don't have our tribes here. But I think things have really changed now, mm. improved, yeah. So one of your businesses now based around food is the is the multi-ethnic food kitchen. Yes. <laughs> and you, we, we had the... Uh, when we had the Youth Heritage Forum, you came mm. and did uh, the food, and everyone mm. loved mm. the the food that you had prepared. So, do you do a lot of uh, catering, or, or how, how does that company work? What what is, who are your clients for the multi ethnic food kitchen? Okay, uh, surprisingly, government like yeah. from I've catered for the city of Saint John's, catered for the federal government, different agencies, the provincial government, different agencies, and then of course schools. Uh, the French school, they have cut for them, I think, about two or three times. The one near the Marine Institute. Oh, the French school. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then in terms of uh, government uh, departments at the federal level, like um, DFO, uh, different uh, federal departments, but also we cut up to weddings. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember catering to... Uh, uh, a couple from here actually and then uh, immigrants but mostly uh, from here as well and then some uh, I don't know if I can say this uh, <laughs> some departments here, here, here at <laughs> like Memorial at the University. end of their semester or end of year party or Christmas they will they will order for ask me to cater for their end of year parties yeah. and then corporate like different uh, companies here uh, will ask me to or ask the multi ethnic food to cater for their maybe Christmas parties or something like that. Yeah. And you have a Facebook page where people can can find information? Yeah, we have Facebook, we are on Twitter, we have a website. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. So now uh, tell me about the Tombolo Multicultural Festival. Uh, how okay. did that how did that start? Okay. Tombolo Multicultural Festival originally started in Fairyland at the um the folk art uh, building there yes. by Andy, Andy um, and Nikki. They are uh, like Andy is an American and uh, Nikki, uh, they are husband and wife basically. So uh, they live in this church there that has been converted in Admiral's Cove into a house. So that's their house because uh, Andy is he's a he's an engineer. He builds houses, so okay, yes, they yeah. converted the church into their their home or their house. So they decided to create this uh, Tambola Cultural Festival to encourage uh, interaction uh, between immigrants and 
people in the local uh, communities, particularly in the southern shore. So they partnered with, uh, the first one was in 2009, so they partnered with uh, the Association for New Canadians and the provincial government gave them some funding to organize it. So it was basically like uh, a multicultural event where immigrants could uh, showcase and share their own culture through music, dance, and uh, I was not directly, my involvement at the time was to cater for their <laughs> for the event. Okay. So that was how I got to know about it or I got involved then as a supplier of the food that uh, uh, was served during the festival. And then in 2011, uh, the, the couple, they became very busy with other things that mm -hmm. they do in the community. So they thought of not continuing. And because I used to be indirectly involved, <laughs> I just discuss with my husband again I said <laughs> I don't this know if I like, should <laughs> this sounds like a conversation you have with your husband uh, <laughs> more than once oh I need to I need to take over this organization yeah and I'm lucky that he's he's, he's usually supportive he sounds yeah. very patient yeah. very patient and supportive and yeah. he's very quiet many people don't know him he's actually a staff here at Mon yeah but uh, very quiet but very supportive behind the scene guy yeah yeah so he said yeah you can try it so uh, what I did was uh I, I registered it as a, a non-profit, mm -hmm. the Tombola Multicultural Festival Newfoundland and Labrador. Registered it uh, as a non-profit, incorporated non-profit uh, organization. And then with that, luckily, I was able to apply for funding with the Citizenship Immigration Canada. So from 2012, when I took over, uh, Citizenship Immigration Canada had been assisting us with funding. We couldn't get from the provincial government, but that was the time that there was budget cut. Yes. So um, CIC came in, and then the city of St. John's came in uh, 2013, and uh, the Newfoundland Labrador Arts Council came in as well provide the last year they provided us funding and this year again so it became bigger so what we did was to continue in if in fairyland where we were able to to bus i don't know if it's correct to rent a charter uh buses charter to, a bus to take yeah, people there take yeah. people from our immigrants from the Assembly for new canadians and within st john's and then also invite other immigrants within the uh, Avalon Peninsula <laughs> mm -hmm. to go to Fairyland. Uh, some of them were going with food, some crafts, and local, just like the International Food and Craft Expo, we encourage uh, local food and craft vendors to participate. But our focus was the Southern Shore at the time for Fairyland. So 2012, 2013, uh, we did it in Fairyland. But then the people that were attending the one in Fairyland were mostly from St. John's. So I said, uh-huh, what if I partner with the Action Project Center in St. John's, then we can have it here. Still allow immigrants, for example, to go to the one in Fairyland and experience the output or the, the beautiful scenery in the southern shore, but do it here and make it a little bit different. Uh, bigger. Mm -hmm. So I was very fortunate. Uh, Eden Fillin uh, was the, the, the director at yeah, the Arts and Culture yeah, Center. So he, yeah. he is very, very supportive. So we partnered with Arts and Culture Center. Meanwhile, our funders were still with us. So CIC actually agreed to, to fund partly both Fairyland Tombolo and St. John's Tombolo. So 2013, 
Yeah, we started the one in Saint. So we're doing two, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Fairyland and Saint John's, and uh, it just became bigger and bigger. <laughs> and where so where does the name come from? What does Tombolo? Actually, Tambolo, you'd be surprised. Uh, Nikki came up with the term. I didn't coin it. He, uh, Nikki, the the lady and her husband who, who started that. Yeah, yeah, she came up with the term Tambolo. In Fairyland, there's actually a, a sport called Tambolo. Okay. Uh, if you look it up in either Greek or Latin, I can, but I remember looking it up on the internet. Like they describe it as like a piece of land or like this is water and you sometimes you see like a piece of land that someone can step on it. Let's say you are getting out of a boat. It's not big island but just small where someone coming maybe through uh, the water or sea can come here, step out of the boat and walk and then enter the community and vice versa. People from the community oh, okay. walk one eat and, and so it's like an entry point. Yeah. So symbolically it's ah. like a, a connecting point, connecting cultures, different cultures. Yeah. So here we are looking at imaginatively or symbolically the immigrants connecting their culture with the local culture or people from different places connecting each with each other. But also Tombolo sounds like African drumming. It does sound like that's what she <laughs> said and I think that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So walk me walk me through the festival. What what happens in, in the in the Saint John's festival? What mm -hmm. what happens when people come to see the festival? Okay, what happens is that usually now we starting last year we we um We'll have like day one. It's a three-day event: Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Day one, uh, 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 the Action Culture Center, Tombolo Multicultural Festival, Nifuna and Labrador, and uh, uh, Red House Jazz uh, and Blues. We'll partner and bring an outside uh, musician to to perform. To mm -hmm. perform. So like last year, we brought um, uh, Pablo. This year we brought Adonis uh, Puentes and the Cuban uh, Orchestra to perform. So that would be day one. And uh, now we try to enter, like this year, before the concert, the main concert on Friday, we had food and just like a pre-show, pre-concert, food and outside music for people who come to uh, attend the concert to eat before they go in or to to listen to some local uh, entertainment before they go in for the concert. But then usually we, the second day we try to introduce workshops. That workshop we call it multicultural workshop in the sense that we try to uh, encourage local could be local artists, local musicians or uh, dance performers to do workshops. So this year if you see our videos and pictures you will see someone from Iran or Saudi Arabia dancing Scottish dance <laughs> or a new friend that doing Bollywood jig. Yeah. They learn it through the workshop. So yeah. on Saturday it's usually called multicultural workshop where we uh, select different topics and people from different cultures can learn certain cultural activities or stuff that usually they will not do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So workshop and then the three, which is usually on Sunday, will be multicultural variety concert. That one we we hire usually local artists or musicians and dance performers and uh, international uh, not coming from outside, but here, living here. For example, you have such a Canadian 
that will bring their choir and individuals who can sing dance maybe from Ethiopia, from Bangladesh or from Iraq or Syria, they will come and perform during the multicultural concert. And then we'll also have food and craft outside. Uh, I think with time we might phase out the craft because uh, people are more interested in the entertainment Mm-hmm. And the food, of course, people have to eat. Of course. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I, That's my excuse. I always have to eat. So. <laughs> yeah. So that's what happens uh, at the Tombolo. <laughs> and if people want to get more information on the Tombolo Festival, where, where do they go? Oh, we have a website uh, with the name. If they just Google it, they will find Tombolo Multicultural Festival website. We have Twitter. We have, uh, we're also on Facebook. And uh, people can always call us as well and uh, get information. <laughs> All right. Well, we're, we're coming to the end of our time here. So I, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. And thank you for all the work that you do, because you are you seem tireless. You're always doing something. You're always... <laughs> With the help of uh, volunteers, people are very, very... It's amazing how people here in not because I'm talking with you, but people are very generous with their time, with their skills, and they are very, very supportive. So this is not a one-person uh, activity or job. It's collective. So I don't I don't claim any credit for the success of Tombolo or the International Food and Craft Expo. It's just because people are there to work with me and support me and, and help out, and I'm really grateful. Great. Well, thank you for coming on the show. <laughs> thank you, Dale. I'm Dale Jarvis, and our production assistant is Tara Barrett. You've been listening to Living Heritage, a production of CHMR Radio 93.5, in collaboration with the Intangible Cultural Heritage Office of the Heritage Foundation of Newfoundland and Labrador. Find us online at ichblog.ca or on iTunes. Thanks for listening.